But in James chapter 2, I'd like to begin in verse 14. And he says, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Yes, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He's being sarcastic there, because faith can only be demonstrated by its works. Please note this, not the confession of faith, but the works of faith. And a lot of people are confessing things. You know, say a sinner's prayer, confess a relationship with God. A lot of people say, make a confession. God can do anything. But where's the works of that? All right? <clears throat> so I just want you to stay with me and I want you to hear this. And he's saying to them, now I'm going to show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. He's being a little sarcastic there. <clears throat> Just because you say you believe in God. Well, he's saying devils do too. <clears throat> but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And that was the conclusion that he comes to. And so you can say what you got all you want. You can say what you believe all you want. But where is the demonstration of that? In the works of your life. Was not Abraham our father justified by works. When he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works. And by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith. Abraham believed God. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. In this regard, and what you have to understand is faith without works is dead. And the only way faith can be a reality or demonstrated through your life is by the works. The works do not come first. Faith is there first. And there's a natural result of faith, and that is works. And so you, there is a justification that comes to our life on the basis of uh, on the basis of faith being demonstrated through our works. We're not saved by our works. No man will be saved by his works. And Galatians teaches us this very clearly, or Ephesians does in chapter two. You are saved by grace through faith, right? But that faith is alive. And so living faith is demonstrative. It shows itself. It does something to your life. And so we believe this. We believe that anybody who is really born again is a new creation. You have a new life. And you're going to live a new life. Now we're not comparing you to somebody else. And, and, and there's some standard that we have among people that this is the standard of what a Christian really looks like. Jesus is what we're being conformed to, okay? Not one another. So I'm not judging you by me, but I'm simply telling you this. If you're genuinely born again and God does live in your life, something about you has changed and is changing. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ. You've been given a new heart. You have access to the mind of Christ. By which you can live by that mind. The Holy Spirit has made you his temple. It is impossible for these things to come to you. And nothing about you has changed. Other than the fact you have incorporated into your life a new sentence. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. If that hasn't affected you. Then James is kind of saying you're on the ground of devils. Nothing's going on there. And so please understand that James is not saying that works is all important. What James is saying is faith is so important, but we must understand that faith must be alive. 
And the demonstration of living faith is works. And so how does a man know that there's really faith there? Because there's going to be a work. The Bible says, and Jesus saw their faith. How did he see their faith? They just tore a man's roof off. Believing that if they could get their paralyzed friend at the feet of Jesus, he would heal them. That was the demonstration of their faith. They tore a roof off to get to Jesus. So that's faith, and it's great faith, all right? And I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I want to read just a few scriptures out of this, out of this book, and he tells us in Galatians 3, verse 12, this is very important. I tell you, we'll begin in verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Now listen to this, verse 12, the law is not of faith, the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. A man who is living according to the law is not a man who is living by faith. He is living according to the law. And without faith, you cannot please God. And whatever is not faith is sin. The law is not sin. The law is holy. And the law is just. And the law is good. And God still hasn't changed his mind about these things. You still, even though you're under grace, should have no other God before him. And just because you're under grace, you still are not to murder and, and steal and lie and kill and commit adultery. You're not to do those things. But under the law, you couldn't help yourself. You had no power to not do those things. But now under grace, there's a new power in your life. And it is the life of God. And God, in His power living in you, gives you power and victory over the corruptions of your heart. Because you get a new heart. And you get a new life. And God begins to live that. So I just want you to see this, that the law is not of faith. And a person that's living according to the law or according to works and not faith is living according to the law is a life that is living in its own ability and its own power. But when you live in faith and the just shall live by faith, you're living in relationship with God and your dependency and your trust is upon God. And that faith is going to produce evidence in your life that you are indeed in relationship with the Lord. I want to continue this in chapter 5 of Galatians. And I want you to see it in verse 4 if you will. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. You cannot live by the law and by grace. You cannot mix the law and grace. According to 2 Corinthians 3, if I may say it this way, you cannot mix Moses and the new covenant. You cannot mix the old covenant and the new covenant. The new covenant is not capital N, capital O, capital T. It is not a continuation of the old covenant. It is a brand new covenant. As Hebrews 11 says, or 8, it is not according to the old covenant. It is totally new, totally unique in itself, and you cannot mix the two, all right? And so what we're looking at now is Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. It is possible to fall from grace. It's right there. <clears throat> For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We're waiting by faith. What does this mean? Well, obviously, according to James, it doesn't mean we're just waiting around twiddling our thumbs that one day grace is going to do something to me. I don't read my Bible, I don't pray, I don't really go to church because, you know, I just don't have, I don't have the desire, I don't have the compulsion to do that, and, and I'm not, I'm under grace, and so, no, 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 remember what James says, faith without works is dead, it's dead, and so there's an evidence to this life of faith in us, and this grace of God that works in us, and so, we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything 
nor uncircumcision, and this is what I want to focus on this morning, but faith which works by love. So is there a disagreement between Paul and James? Is there a disagreement? Now we know it's not, but stay with me. James is saying a man's justified by his works because that's what proves his faith. And, and, and faith without works is dead. And Paul is saying if you try to accomplish righteousness through the law or through the flesh or through self or through works, then you've fallen from grace. Is there a discrepancy? And I say absolutely not. This reason. <clears throat> Notice this in verse 6, faith which works by love. There is a faith that works. And then in chapter 5, verse 19, there is a flesh that works. And so the question that I'm asking you this morning, for you, are you too carnal for grace? Are you so committed to working in your flesh that you can't work in your faith? That you have so much confidence in yourself that you know what God wants and therefore you seek to produce that for God to show God you can do it. For example, you know God wants you to pray. So you're determined to go pray. And if God really wants us to pray and somebody prays an hour and you pray an hour and ten minutes, you're better than them. You know, and so we strive after that's the works of the flesh. You know what God wants and you try to give that to God. But the, but the works of faith is the belief that God himself can produce the work in me and through me and it will be demonstrated by my life. I will cooperate with God. I say this a lot and I say this in, in regards to this. I think it's a great example. And, and, the, and the thing I would say is, did Peter walk on the water? Good answer. Boy, that was a tough one, huh? Next one's multiple choice. All right. Peter walked on the water. How? How did Peter walk on the water? A man can't walk on water. Peter's never walked on the water before in his life. And so it is absolutely impossible for Peter to walk on the water. How did he do it? By God. Yes, he has faith, but God gave the power and the ability for him to do it. So this man steps out of the boat, plants his foot upon a wave, and it actually supports him. Supernatural, impossible, men don't do that, and Peter can't do that. But we say Peter walked on the water. God did it, but Peter did it. And that's why Paul would say something like this in 1 Corinthians 15. It is no longer I that labor, but grace labors in me. It's no longer I that do it, but God does it in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not doing it. God's doing it, but I'm doing it. And people... Right. Absolutely, because this ain't going to get it. You're too carnal. You're too carnal. You're too intellectual. You're too self-confident to actually believe, to live by faith, a life that is filled with faith works that come out of your life and demonstrate God through your life. It's absolutely a beautiful way to live. And so I say that this, this word works in Galatians chapter 5, and I want you to see it again, faith which works by love. We know there are all types of faith. But there's a faith which works by love. And so that's the faith that I'm interested in. The faith that works by love. And the word works there in Galatians 5 means this. Active, effectual, showing forth self, itself, faith, showing forth itself. It is operative. It is operating. It is doing something. And so that's it. So James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Right? And Paul has no problem with James. And James has no problem with Paul. Because Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, faith works. 
Right? Do you see it? Oh, you're skeptical. Read it. The last verse. The last phrase of verse 6. Faith which works by love. James says there's a faith that doesn't work and it's dead. And James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. So there's no discrepancy between James and Paul because Paul's saying as well, faith works. But the means by which faith works is love. And so I just want to dwell on this for a few minutes this morning. And I want you to understand this, please. I believe in Christianity that God is changing things dramatically. I am witnessing a move of God around the world. I'm in communication with people and pastors and churches and even the privilege of visiting some of these places and literally seeing the supernatural demonstration of God among his people who are hungry and who are thirsty for God. And they're tired of games and they're tired of church and they're tired of these things and they're tired of, uh, if you will, a solemn, stoic, depressed assembly And they really want the presence of God that's there and the life of God, the power of God there. And young people are just rising up by the multitudes as well as middle-aged and old people as well. Just saying, this, this, we've got to have God. And, and many reasons that God is allowing the, the things to happen for that. For some people, it's the loss of their country and the loss of their freedoms. For other people, it is the complete infatuation of young people into the demonic and the occult. Such as this horrible concert in World, where eight people were dead and 300 were hospitalized. They went to a concert that was literally the gates of hell for some people. And it was a, bur- a dove on fire to den- denigrate the Holy Spirit and a cross upside down. And tens of thousands of people are there just recently worshiping these false gods and everything. And, and people are seeing that and we're saying, my God, we need to have the Lord. It's, it's not excitement that we're after. It's not praise that we're after. It's not a prayer meeting that we're after. It's God that we're after in relationship with him where the reality and the power of God comes. And there are people literally working in this church and in other churches around the world, they're literally putting faith into action and they're seeing the miracles of God and they're seeing the harvest come in and God is doing great things. There are other people that are totally missing out on it and there's nothing you can do. You can preach your heart out and and nothing's really going to change. But that revelation of faith that comes, it is absolutely incredible what God is doing. And so this faith is demonstrated By its works, which is active and effectual, and it shows itself forth. I think people are bent on living by their feelings and living by their emotions. You can preach the truth of God. I'll give you an example. You can talk about praise, and you can talk about the importance of praise. And we can give biblical terms and biblical examples and scripture after scripture after scripture about praise and how important it is. And people can get enthusiastic about that and they will do it for a week. They might do it in that service. But the very next service, they come back. They've been run over by the world. They've been emotionally just damaged. They've been stressed by the cares of this life. And they come back into church and just say, I don't have it in me. You're too carnal for grace. You're just too carnal for grace. You're looking so much upon your own self and your own power and your own flesh to be able to give God praise. And that's not where he wants it from. He wants it from your faith. It's got nothing to do with your emotions. It's got nothing to do with your stress level. And it's got nothing to do about how much the world has run you over. It's got everything to do about the truth of God and who believes it and who doesn't believe it. You see, my worship of God is not derived from a sense of duty. My worship of God is derived from the estimation that I have of him. What I really believe God to be and what I believe God to be like. Like my daughter was talking about, you know, is he worthy? Why is he worthy to you? And she just begins to confess and testify of how God has delivered her recently of so many things in her life. And I see her praising God with all of her heart. And I've watched and I walk around the house saying, who is this person? Who is this in my house? You know, what is God doing with her? And I, and I see that and I, and it's just like, and it's just like, I praise God. Why? And so why is she dancing and jumping and shouting and singing? Because her value, her estimation of God is off the charts. He saved her and it's off the charts, you know, and, 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 and yet you go to church on any given Sunday. And I'm just talking about in general, anywhere you go to church on any given Sunday, you got to compel believers to move. I mean, come on. 
You got it. Oh, come on, y'all. Let's praise God. Let's shout. Let's clap. Let's lift our. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's do this. It's like kindergarten. You know, let's get up. Let's sit down. Let's lay on the mats. It's time to eat. Pull out your snack. Do this book now. Do that book now. And it's like, come on, guys. We're the soldiers of God. We're the sons and daughters of the Lord. Do we not value him? Do we not value him? That's why I go to church. Because I value God. That's why I'm not going to sit at home or do church on the internet. I'm going to, and, and God only knows what happens when metaverse is turned loose. And that's going to damage the church like you'd never imagine what's fixing to come. Not for me, brother. I have a value of God and his people. I got to be in that midst. I got to be there. It's faith in me, though. I'm not doing that for works. It's faith in me that does it. But people are too emotional. Absolutely too emotional. You people that can't worship God, you people that can't lift your hands, you can't clap, you can't shout, you look at these people in the altar and you say emotional, no way, you are not them. No, you're making fun of people praising God, you're making people fun of people shouting and dancing and singing, and you're sitting there like a bump on the log, and you can, you're emotional, not them. They're in grace, and they're in faith, doing, and I'm not just meaning here, you could be in the balcony doing that, all right? I'm not trying to point to a place. I'm just trying to point to a, a position and a posture of the heart that has faith and a value of God that I'm going to praise him. And the fear of man is not going to stop me. I don't care what you think about me. How did you get there? Faith. Faith. How did faith get you there? Because there's something in me called love that makes faith work. Right? Didn't you read that? This faith which works by love. Right? And so today our problem is not a lack of faith, it's a lack of love. That's the problem today. Our churches are filled with people that believe God can do anything. Our churches are filled with people crying in agony for God to do something in their life or in their family or in their home. They're praying, oh God, I want to see miracles like the book of Acts talks about. And they're praying for all of those things. And, and they know God can do it and they want to see God do it. And they're excited to see God do it. But the reason it's not happening is not because of a lack of faith. The faith is caught in a, in a, in a hole or in a rut. And the only thing that's going to get it out of that is love. Faith causes, love causes faith to work. And this love is, is, is an agape type of love, but in, in a particular sense, it refers to a brotherly affection and a brotherly love. Listen to this, a brotherly affection and a brotherly love. And so this is what I'm compelled, in, in a way, to just bring this to you. Do you have enough of an affection... For Jesus to do something with him. It's just really that. Do you have an affection, a love for Jesus? And, and, and uh, yeah, I love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. So hard to cut through the conditioning of what we've heard all of our life. But the lack of our faith is a lack of our affection for Jesus. There's a lot we want Jesus to do for us. But for him, it's to love him. It's even, it's even, it's, it's not even the most mature love. It, it, it's more of the brotherly love. Just a, a family affection for your older brother. And if you have that, guess what's going to happen? Not by your power. But by that love, faith is going to begin to work. Things are going to begin to happen because of the love that's there. And the lack of that faith is just a lack of the love. It's a lack of the affection and the desire that we should have for Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room has the potential of very deep and intimate friendship with Jesus Christ. Every one of us in this room. But not everyone in this room, though born again, has the capacity for that friendship with him. You have the potential for it, but not the capacity for it. Because your inner man is beggarly and weak. Because we're too carnal. We study with our minds 
We write with our minds. We go to church with our minds. We sing songs with our minds. We give worship to God with our minds. When it's all supposed to be spiritual by faith. By faith. And that capacity, the weakness of the inner man, is in constant need of prodding. Constant need of prodding. Because the flesh is always going to revert back to where it came from. And the flesh is going to always be overrun. The flesh is going to be weary. The flesh is going to be bitter. The flesh is going to be tired. The flesh is going to need to be motivated. The flesh is going to need to be stirred. The carnal. All of that's going to need to be doing that. But a man or a woman who is walking in grace does not need somebody walking alongside of me helping me do what God wants me to do because the grace of God, God, the Holy Spirit who is in me and with me is the source of my strength and my power. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to give this to God. Why? Not because I'm great, for I'm not. It's because I love him. I love him. I have an affection for Jesus Christ. You see, we come here today and it's a Sunday morning and we gather and I'm thinking things like, what if this is the last service we ever have together? What if Jesus raptured the church while we're in service? What if this is the last time I ever have to preach to you? What could I pour out to you because I love him? Because I love him. What example can I set to help you because I love him? How can I show you that my faith is real so that maybe somehow my faith can inspire you and maybe you will have an affection for Jesus, a brotherly love for Jesus that will cause you to have greater faith, a greater faith with God. I desire that for you. I desire that for all of us. And I want God to use us to the very full capacity that he could use us. But we're carnal. Much like the disciples. We see a pandemic and we look for carnal solutions. Like the disciples. Give them something to eat. Andrew's beautiful message last Sunday. Right? Give them something to eat. And we're like the disciples. We're walking around looking carnally. How much money you got? I don't know. I'm I'm empty. I ain't got nothing. You got any food on you? I got my diet bar. (laughs) This is not a bad one. I didn't know that was there until I just put my hand in my pocket. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that'll do for Jesus. You know, we've got 5,000 people here to feed. You know, ah, you know. Our Lord, we're in a storm and we're going to die. Don't you care? We're going to die. Things are bad. Things are going on. Don't you care? And we're just so carnal. But the faith, we are to be the ones living in this world, the life of faith that demonstrates the reality of God. And it's not Christians going around saying, God can do anything. And I love Jesus. And Jesus died for us. And he died for you. That's all great. But where's the proof of it? The demonstration of it, right? Don't you want to live there? Demonstrating it and showing it and the glory of God. And so I I, I just, if, if I can for just a moment, the love. And I'm not judging your love for God. You can do that. Just look at your faith life. Not your confession. Look at your life. And what is your love for God causing you to do by faith that you know, apart from God, you couldn't do this? You cannot walk on water. But wow, I'm walking on water. And why am I walking on water? Because I love Jesus who's walking on water. And if that's where you are, bid me to come to you. And, that, and, and, and so that faith is compelling me to him and to be with him and to work with him. So can, can you really love God that much? Is it possible to love God? You've never seen him. You've never touched him. You know, you've heard about him. We've talked about him. Can you really love God that much? Ask Rahab. Ask Ruth. Ask Sarah. They didn't see him either. They saw him in the spirit. 
Asked Moses. For Jesus said Moses saw my day and he loved it. Ask David. He didn't see him. Ask David, can you really love somebody you've never seen yet and you're just so excited to see that one because you know that when you see him, you're going to like, oh yeah, I really do love you. You really are beautiful. Oh, David's like, what? What, are you kidding me? Do you not know that now his loving kindness is better than life? Do you not go into the sanctuary to behold his power? And what do you go to church for? Do you not go there to behold his glory and his power? Do you not lay on your bed at night and through the watches of the night just think about him and your heart craves him? I think David would be looking at all of us saying, what's wrong with you people? What is wrong with you? Because he has affected me greatly. As a matter of fact, he would say, there's only one thing in life I want. And he proved it. Absalom, take the throne. It's yours. But I want Jesus. It's one thing I desire. This one thing will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to behold his beauty and inquire in his temple. That's all I want. Yeah, it's possible to love somebody like that. Ask Mary as she's washing his feet with her tears. And drying them with her hair. And all of the filth and the mud of the world is getting into her hair. And she's being polluted by the things of this world because of her love and her affection for Jesus. Or ask the other Mary who takes an ointment of all of her life savings. Some people estimate it to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you break it and you pour it all out on Jesus Christ. Why? Because I love this man. You're not going to do it. You, you can't get people to tithe who don't love. That, that's the reason people don't tithe. You have no affection for Jesus. You have no affection for that. What is that love for Jesus Christ? Or ask the Apostle Paul, but the moment I met him, the moment I met him, I, something happened inside. I hated him. I, di- I didn't want anything. To, I wanted to end his name on earth. I wanted to kill everybody that knew him. I wanted to put him in prison. I despised you. But the moment I met him, something happened inside of me. Something ignited in me. I couldn't see anymore, but I saw better than I ever saw in my life. Oh, and as I just got to walk with him, I fell more and more in love with him. And as a matter of fact, I fell so in love with Jesus Christ that everything I had held on to was like, I'm holding on to dung. This is gross. I want him. I want him. This is the only thing I want. I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to know you, Jesus Christ. As Jim Elliot, who said that he's no fool who would give up the things he cannot keep to have the thing he cannot lose and went and gave his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's possible to love Jesus, but we're not even talking about a love like that. We're just talking about a brotherly love. That's all it takes to get faith moving. It's just a brotherly love, a brotherly affection for Jesus Christ. And, and so that's what I say. And so I'll explain it. I'll explain it to you like this. Without this kind of faith, church life would be an insatiable bore to you. Because you don't understand it. You're you're involved with people who are living in another world. And you hear about all of that, but you have no concept at all of what that world is like and how that world works. And so you're trying to fellowship in that and you're trying to move in that. But it is very difficult. And so I say that to us because it is the affection that changes it all. Our prayer meeting is going to be boring to you. Bible says is going to be boring to you. Going to church is going to be something you endure. All of these things, you're going to listen to a message. Hey, great message. That was good. I don't know. God talked kind of long. All of these things, you know, but there were some good things there and really got a lot out of it. And yes, God's worthy of my worship. And you know, that, that girl up there saying God's worthy of our worship. She's right on. That was really good stuff. He didn't even have to preach. It was just great. And then Monday comes, didn't worship him. Tuesday comes, didn't worship him. Go back to church Wednesday night. They reminded me again to praise God. Yep, yep, that's right. Friday comes, don't worship him. Saturday comes, don't. Go back to church Sunday. You have no concept. You're too carnal. You're too carnal for grace. Is this not true? I I deal with the same things. I got a flesh as well. I got a lot of carnality in me, you know. And so I understand that. And so it's the affection for it. An athlete 
who trains with such endurance and such rigid and disciplined effort from his diet to when he wakes up to when he goes to bed to the hours that he trains, you know, is he, she could do flips on a, on a beam that wide. And, you know, does that just happen? Cause I think I'd like to go do a flip on a piece of wood, you know? No, I mean, you got to get there. You got to train. You got to develop muscles. You got to, you got to be able to do these things. And, and so people that train to be these really high profiting athletes, they endure their, their bodies and they go through so much. Why do they do it? Why don't you do it? Why aren't you a millionaire baseball player? Why aren't you a millionaire football player? Why aren't you a millionaire soccer player? Why you don't have the affection for it like they did? That's what drove them. They had an affection for it. They wanted it. And because they wanted it, even though it was grueling and it was hard, and there was a lot of days of work and blood and sweat and tears and wanting to quit, there was something inside of them that loved it and they couldn't quit. And eventually they soared and became the best in their, in their games. And they got there because they loved it. Why do people go to doctors? Why do people trust the doctors? Why do people trust the medicines? Why do they trust the application? You're putting faith in them, aren't you? You're putting faith in these guys. You go to a doctor, he says, this is what's wrong with you. This is what you need to take. Thank you, doctor. I'm going to the druggist. Druggist fills the prescription. Thank you, druggist. I go home. This is what it says to take it. I'm going to take it. Just why why do you do that? You're putting faith in the doctors. Why? You have an affection for your health And your life. That's why you do that. You care about yourself. You care about your life. So let me ask you this. What is it about God? What is it about your brother, Jesus Christ, that you're doing and he's depending on you to do it? What is it? What is it that you love him so much you're doing this for him, and he's dependent on you to do it. And you have complete freedom because you have a church that begs you to do it. You have a church that begs you to be free, to know the joy of serving God, to be able to work in your gifts and serve in your ministry. And we'll help you to do it. And all of these things, it's beautiful to see how people are doing that. It's not, it's not belittling anything. It's beautiful to see how people are doing that. It's kind of like this. Stay with me. I'm not almost through. So, Moses woke up every day, and he opened his tent, and he looked out, and he saw manna. He's like, thank you, God. Thank you for the manna. Because he's responsible to feed all these people. And there's the rock, giving us water. Thank you, it's still coming out. Thank you, Lord. And the children of Israel, the congregation, they don't give it a second thought. It better be there. It better be there. Because if it ain't there, we're getting rid of Moses. And we're going to get somebody else. Moses is like in this relationship with God. I have an affection for you and I love you and I love your people. God, thank you for the manna. Oh, thank you. He had, he was with God in it. And he, he needed God to move through his life. But the congregation is like, it better be there when I wake up. And I'm tired of this. I'm ready for some meat. It better be there. It better be there. And so how about you? What kind of church you want? I want a church that is, I want a spirit-filled church, right? I want a church that is walking in the power of God. The life of God is really there. I want a church that's full of life. I'd ask youth this too. I'd ask them. I mean, what in the world would they want? If they were at a rock concert, they'd be in the stage. Worshiping and praising God. What do you want? I want a church that's full of life. I want a church that has the presence of God. I want a church where there's power. I want a church where the God is being glorified in the midst. I want a church that's real. And Pastor Lee, when I come Sunday, you better do it. Because I ain't helping you. 
I'm just coming expecting you to do it. And it would be like the congregation of Israel. But how much better when we all have an affection for our brother, Jesus, and we know what he wants, and it's like, let's give it to him. And, and, and you should never have to say that again to any of us. I have to say it to myself all the time. I preach to myself all day. We should never have to say that again. But we will. Because we get carnal. We get carnal. So faith works by love. Not this confession. I believe in Jesus. I believe God can do anything. Lord, we want to see miracles. But an actual demonstration of our relationship with God. Where God is doing supernatural through us. Faith works by love. I'm going to close with this. How does faith work? How does faith work? And this, this is going to come. This is where the rubber meets the road. About being too carnal for grace. Stay with me. How does faith work? Faith works by love. How does faith work? We think. That. I'm depressed. So I'm going to put my faith in God. And I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to say, God, I'm depressed. And you are able to make me happy. So make me happy. I believe that you can. I believe your word says that you will. So I want you to do it. God, I'm sick. And I don't want to be sick. I want you to heal me. So I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to ask To be healed. And a lot of our faith. Working. Has been simply reduced. To faith. Asking. Stay with me. This is this is it. So you're depressed. You're despairing. You're despondent. You don't like it. God doesn't like it. And God will give you the garment of praise for the sackcloth of mourning that you wear. God, give it to me. Take away my depression. But I'm not about to praise you. Because I don't feel like it. I'm too depressed. Faith is not working. The working of faith is not my ability to make my request to God. The working of faith is the action that I have on the word of God. If I need God to bless me financially, most of us as Christians would go to God and say, Lord, bless me financially. But faith asks God to bless financially by giving. That's how faith works. You see, we're too carnal. We just think it's like we relate to each other. You have something and I'm in need. Would you help me out? But the way faith works is, God, I'm worried about the country and I'm worried about the inflation and I'm worried about the economy. And I'm worried about my job and what it's going to do for me. And I need you to take care of me. And this is the act of faith. So I am writing my tithes and my offerings and I'm taking care of missions. That's the way I'm asking you and I'm giving. I'm giving to you, God. I trust the church that you've raised up and put me in to be good stewards. But I'm giving to you. And I'm serving you. And God, you see this. You see me. You see my need. You see what it is. God, I'm sick. And you need to touch God. You need to... Hey, God, I was reading last week the story about the woman with the issue of blood, and it was it was just struck me because Jesus said, someone touched me and power came out of me. I just began to pray, God, I want to touch you. I want to touch you. I want to touch you, God. I want the I want your power to come out to me. I was praying that. And then God said, well, this is how you do it. Give me your infirmity. 
Because I am touched with the feelings of your infirmities. The feelings. And some of us are too carnal to give our feelings to God. You talk to God about your sickness. Talk to God about your peril. But God wants the feelings of that. The fear of it. The worry, the stress, the debt that you have to pay for money and everything else. Touch me with these feelings. What is this making you feel like? I remember with my arthritis, God, I can't walk. It hurts me, God. I'm hurting. I sleep two hours a night. God, my back is cramping. This is the perplexity that I'm in, God. And I touched him one day. And he healed me. I've dealt with other things and other sicknesses and issues in my life. And I'm not saying that I'll never be sick again. I can tell you this sickness will never rule me. It will never tell me what I can and can't do for God. It's not my master. Pandemic's not my master. It's not going to tell me what I can and can't do for God. So. How does faith ask God for financial blessings? It gives. How does faith ask for healing? Hey, elders of the church, come anoint me with oil because I'm sick. That's what the Bible says, right? Or touch God with the feeling of your infirmities. God, we want your presence. We want your presence, God. Well, if you really want to ask him, start praising him because that's how he comes. Praise is the inviting God Presence to be there with us. You want to be used of God? Oh God, I want to be used of you. How do you ask God to be used? Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Trust me. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You will not sit around anymore. You will not be wondering, what is my ministry? What am I supposed to be doing? Because the Holy Ghost will move you into ministry and bring glory to Jesus Christ. It may not be something you actually like. But it'll be the ministry that he has for you to do. For stress or for worry. Oh God, I'm so stressed out and I'm so full of worry. Would you help me and would you deliver? The Bible says you pray and you give that to him. You give it to him. You want the Holy Ghost to fill you. Oh God, please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please fill me, Lord. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not, I'm not demeaning that. But how does faith ask? Don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks always. That's how you do it. But you watch people all the time stand in a place in an altar and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and this is the way they're doing it. You don't want to be filled. You're not asking God. You're not asking God. Faith is not asking God. Because if you're really asking God, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start speaking to yourselves in Psalms. You're going to start speaking Psalms. You're going to start speaking Scriptures. You're going to start singing. You're going to make a melody in your heart. You're going to start giving thanks to God. Your your whole insides are just going to come out to God in praise and worship. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost is just going to come all over you. But this isn't asking. And so there's a way that faith asks. And it's always by doing something. You want to see people saved? You want to see the harvest? 1 John 4. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And beloved, let us love one another as God has loved us. You want to see souls saved, you want to see the harvest reached. Start doing some sacrificial loving in people that hate you. And you'll see people come to Jesus. So, too carnal for grace. Because I'm too carnal to act in faith. I'm too carnal to love and have affection for God so faith can't move. No, I don't want to live like that. I want to live in his life. I want you to stand with me. If you have faith and faith is operative in your life, praise God. 
Let's move deeper. By faith, let's move deeper. Let love grow. The greater your love grows, the greater faith will work. Maybe you've been asking God for things, but perhaps faith has not been asking God for things. So let faith ask now. Do you feel a sense of condemnation or a sense of guilt? And you just need things to be right with you and God. Maybe you need to ask a brother that you've offended to forgive you. Because the Bible says, if you forgive, you shall be forgiven. That's how faith asks. Faith always asks by doing. Receive my life. Receive my life, Lord. Let my life be for you. Then faith gives that life. It gives it. It gives it to him. No, beloved, it's a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way to live in grace. By faith. Because that's how it works. Grace and faith. And the work will always follow. The demonstration of that will always follow. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, your anointing upon these that have come. I pray for revelation, God, and understanding that you would grant to people ears to hear what you're saying. I thank you, Father, that faith is a gift that you give to us belief that you are true, the promise that you give us is true. I thank you, Father, that you teach us from your word how faith works and how faith even gets going through love. Baptize us in that love, Lord. Baptize us in your spirit, Lord. I just encourage you as we sing and as we worship, to offer yourself to God. This is an act of faith. It's not that you can make anything happen. You're going to walk on water and you're going to know that you can't walk on water. How am I walking on water? By God. God's doing something in my life. But I'm doing it. But God's doing it. This is an incredible relationship. God is so beautiful and so wonderful.